0: Calling all Sherlock Holmes and Doctor Watsons in the listening audience! Here's your chance to see if you can solve two back-to-back five-minute mysteries before the police announce the solution to the crime. That's right, see if you can out-sleuth the sleuth. The Five-Minute Mystery series was an audience-participation radio series broadcast on the Mutual Broadcasting System from August 10, 1947, to March 27, 1950. It was a syndicated series that local radio stations purchased to sell advertising to local merchants or trade the advertising announcements for goods, services, or premiums such as prizes awarded to listeners in radio station contests and promotions. Now in order to personalize the shows to individual stations, they had to insert local ads. And that is why there are long musical organ music segments. And this is where the local station could insert their local ads. Well, I didn't want to bore you with those long organ interludes. They frankly get under your skin when you hear them the same thing over and over and over. So I created some audio versions of real magazine commercials and inserted them in the middle of the two back-to-back five-minute mysteries. I guess I could change the name to Heirloom Radio's Ten Minutes of Two Mysteries. But ten divided by two is five, so we'll keep it 2 five minute mysteries with two commercials recreated from old radio magazines. Now the first mystery involves Alec and his wife Martha. They're going for a pleasant ride in their rowboat in a very deep and very large lake. The second mystery, Mr. Hammond's wife returns from Uruguay when she finds out her husband was murdered while she was out of the country. Or well, was she? Good luck in solving the mysteries before the radio police reveal the clues that led them to solve the case. My name is John Lovering. This is Ailum Radio, a different kind of oldest program, and I do thank you for listening.
1: Well, it's day to be boating with you, Alice.
2: Well, it's the usual practice for a man to take his wife rowing in the park on Sunday, Martha.
1: I don't think we've ever been out this way before, Alice. rather deserted here.
2: Yes, the nearest boats are at least half a mile away.
1: Alice, you sounded so strange just then. Is something wrong?
3: Don't worry, Martha. I'm completely well now. That accident to my
2: head is quite healed.
1: Why do you always bring that up, Alice? I know there's nothing wrong
2: with you. I know that, my dear. Alex,
1: what are you doing? That oar?
2: Don't be melodramatic, Martha. I know what must be done.
1: Alex, sit down. You don't know what you're doing. Well,
2: I do. I do. you kept me back long enough. Now I'll be free.
4: I tell you, Inspector, I can't figure it out. I've been a cop for 20 years, and I never ran up against a guy like this before.
3: Cool off, Bernie. You'll blow the badge off your chest. Take it easy. And let me know what's happened so far.
4: Okay, Inspector, Okay. About three hours ago, I got a call from the cop on duty at the park. It seemed that a dame fell out of the boat and drowned. I'm in homicide, sir. So ain't
3: not the accident, Bureau. Where do I sit in?
4: Well, I was just coming to that, Inspector. It seems that this guy is her husband, named Alex Blake. He was standing on the shore all the time the drowning was going on. Now, the peculiar thing is that he claimed he didn't hear her screaming or nothing. Yet some boats on the lake a half a mile away heard her scream. I still don't see... Here's the pitch. This guy says he's dead, but I say he's not. If we can prove he's not, Jeff, we got him cold. Personally, I think he pushed her in. He don't look like the grieving kind to me. He claims he's deaf,
3: eh? Hey, you!
4: That's no good, Inspector. I've been hollering my lungs out for an hour. His face don't move a muscle. What's your name? He wrote it out for me, but he won't say it. Say, what are you going to do with that chair, Inspector?
3: Just going to drop it behind him.
4: Nope. His face didn't twitch a nerve. I think he's on the level after all.
3: Well, I shoot this gun off behind him.
4: Stone deaf, that's all. He's stone deaf. It's
3: strange that he's not a lip reader. Most deaf people
4: are. He wrote out for me that he's only been deaf a short time.
3: Short time's right. Ever since this afternoon, to be exact, I can prove he's not deaf.
2: How does the inspector know that Alex Blake is only feigning deafness? In just a moment, we'll return to our story, but first...
0: No one knows paint like a painter. Painters know paint from every angle. They know it from the standpoint of beauty, of service, of protection. And no one knows paint like a painter. And eight painters in every ten use Dutch boy white lead paint. They use it because it retains its beauty longer, because it gives protective coating that doesn't crack or scale, and therefore saves the expense of brushing and scraping when repainting time rolls around because with Dutch Boy White Lead Paint, they obtain the exact colors and shades your individual taste demands. Remember, when your painter uses Dutch Boy White Lead Paint, he's assuring you of a quality paint, a paint mixed to order for your particular job. Depend upon him. No one knows paint like a painter. Write for the House We Live In, a free booklet giving many helpful suggestions on the decoration and protection of your home. Send your request to the National Lead Company office nearest you.
2: And now, back to our story.
3: How do you know Blake was only putting it on, Inspector? When he wasn't startled by the noise of the chair crashing to the floor. You see, Bernie, people who are really deaf perceive the noise through the conductivity of their bodies, the floor, the ground, or whatever object they're sitting on. Therefore, a really deaf man would have instinctively turned his head at the perception of that unexpected noise. While a man faking deathless would not, thinking he was not supposed to hear it. You hear me now, all right, Blake. The jail is a third door to the right.
2: Another five minute mystery. On one of Manhattan's skyscrapers owned by wealthy Roger Hammond. In the dim light of his library, Hammond studies a group of papers on his desk. Then comes a knock on the door. Come in. Who is it? I can't see you in this blasted darkness, so come in. What do you want? You've got a gun. In heaven's name, don't point that thing at me. Stop it, do you hear? Stop it! Come in, Mrs. Hammond.
1: Thank you, Inspector Mills. I flew back from Uruguay as soon as I got your telegram. Will you sit down? Roger's death is the most shocking thing that's ever happened to me. Who could have done this awful murder?
2: I wish I knew, Mrs. Hammond. Of course, we'll do everything we can. Now, there are a few questions I'd like to ask. Merely routine, of course.
1: Anything I can tell you, Inspector.
2: This friend of your husband, Stanley Macon, was there any friction between them?
1: Oh, no, never. They were the best of friends.
2: Macon was alone at his hunting lodge in Maine when the murder occurred.
1: And I was so far away. If only I'd been here.
2: Exactly why did you go to Uruguay, Mrs. Hammond?
1: Business for Roger. And because I'd never been to South America, he thought it'd be a kind of vacation for me. Mm -hmm. Been there only two days when I received your wire, telling you what happened.
2: Yes. Do you mind telling me what your plans are? Will you take over Mr. Hammond's enterprises?
1: Oh, I don't know. I, I suppose so. I haven't been able to think of anything these last few days. so hard to believe he's gone. Then I suppose I I was warned of it in a way. What do you mean? Well, it's one of those things that's hard to explain. A a terrible presentiment I had. One evening in Uruguay, the night of his murder. Tell me about it. It's really nothing, Inspector.
2: In murder, everything is important, Mrs. Hammond.
1: I'd gone for an automobile ride all alone. The moon was shining very brightly, and I was speeding, I'm afraid. But I'm a careful driver. I always keep far to the right. That night, I made a point of it because I was speeding. And suddenly, in the center of the right lane, I saw the figure of a man. I slammed on the brakes, and I was terrified to see in the headlights that the man was Roger. I swerved and ran the car off the road and stopped.
2: You must have been terribly frightened.
1: Oh, I was. But I climbed out and ran back to the highway, and on the whole stretch of road, there wasn't anybody at all. And I could see clearly in the moonlight. I know you won't believe me.
2: You're right, I don't. Because you're lying, Mrs. Hammond.
1: Lying? Why, what do you mean? I
2: mean you were never in Uruguay at all. And I'm going to hold you for questioning, and perhaps for murder. What was the clue that made Inspector Mills know Tony Hammond was not telling the truth? In a moment, we'll hear, but first...
5: Men, are you balding? Or already there? Well, good news, your falling hair or baldness may be unnecessary. Science say that many causes of baldness are caused by a deficient blood supply to the hair roots. If your case is like that, there is hope for a full head of hair. Science's newest invention, the vacuum helmet, draws rich, nourishing blood to your dormant hair roots, with the very first treatment. A new development, the Hydrovac machine runs on your water faucet. It embodies the same principle as machines costing up to $150, yet so inexpensive anyone can now afford to use it at home. Money back, cheerfully, if it does not grow hair on your head. Quick, before another hair falls, send your name and address for complete confidential information, prices, terms, guarantee, and free trial offer. Address to Hydrovac, Department 135, Walnut Building, Des Moines, Iowa, and do it today.
2: But now, the solution to our mystery. Mrs. Hammond stayed behind in New York, killed her husband, and supposedly returned from South America to tell me about her strange presentiment. She said she was driving on the right side of the road, though I knew she couldn't have been to Uruguay, or she'd have known that Uruguay is the only country in the Western Hemisphere where driving on the left still prevails. <laughs>